Hey friends, are you struggling to attract and retain top talent? If you're worried about recruiting and retention, consider Insperity, a leading HR provider. They'll help you improve hiring and compensation practices so you can spend more time growing your business and less time on HR. Visit Insperity.com and download their free ebook on how to build your dream team. Don't let a lack of talent hinder your success. See how Insperity provides HR that makes a difference at Insperity.com. Hey parents, Greenlight is here to take one big thing off your to-do list, teaching your kids about money. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, Kids and teens learn to earn, save, and invest. You can send money instantly, set flexible controls, and get real-time notifications of your kids' money activity. Set up chores and put allowance on autopilot to reward them for their hard work. Then learn about the world of money together. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast. And we are live on the pump fake ahead of championship Sunday around the NFL. I'm Jared Bailey, USA Today, behind the steel curtain, A to Z Sports. That is my friend, JP Acosta from SB Nation. Always good to chop it up with you, buddy. Good to be back again. It it really feels like this season is going by way too fast. Like I was right. Every year kind of feels like that. Yeah, like I was right to establish the fun last night, and I'm like, wow. This season's gone by quick. Like, it doesn't feel like it's been 20-plus weeks. That's crazy. Yeah, I I was at training camp um, for, for the Steelers, and it feels like it was, you know, yesterday when it was, you know, the end of July. I was out there sweating. I was complaining to you about it. I was like, oh, God, I got to go to camp tomorrow. It's going to be fun, but it's going to be hot, and I'm going to be complaining, and you told me that I don't know what hot is. So it nope. was uh, – <laughs> But it was very, this season has been, I mean, for me as like a Steelers fan, it was like, oh, great, you know, kind of another, you know, just wish-wash season. They got into the playoffs and whatnot, we know that. But I, I'm looking forward to seeing what this uh, this coordinator search brings for Pittsburgh and uh, hopefully looking forward to uh, to football for real again, where it's, you know, the Steelers give me expectations. I haven't had those in the past two years. Yeah, I know that's exciting. Uh, but again, as a team who had expectations that last year. It's a dangerous thing. And, yep. Hope is dangerous sometimes, but we got to keep it going. Well, well, we'll start actually with the head coaching stuff because there's been a few um, over the past few days. Jim Harbaugh is officially going to Los Angeles to be the Chargers head coach. Raheem Morris is going to Atlanta to be the Falcons head coach. And Dave Canales is taking the job in Carolina as the Panthers head coach. Um, of all three of those, which one do you like the most? I really like the Raheem Morris hire in Atlanta. And I think it kind of went a little under the radar, his name, especially among the big name coaching searches and amongst the hot names in the searches. But what Raheem Morris is going to bring is a connection that goes beyond just like the product on the field. Product on the field he helped get blood from a stone with that Rams defense this year, mm. getting to getting them to a passable level despite having Aaron Donald and then a bunch of undrafted free agents and rookies and seventh round picks playing in that secondary. They got them 
helped get them to the playoffs with passable defensive play. He's well-connected within the uh, coaching world. He coached with McVay, coached with Shanahan. He was on that 2013 staff everyone talks about. Right. Um, he also worked with Kyle Shanahan in, uh, in Atlanta. He's got a lot of threads everywhere. Like he knows a lot of people. He's well-connected. But above everything else, players love him. Players, staff, people around the NFL will go to bat for Raheem Morris. Genuinely seems like one of the better dudes in the coaching industry. So it feels like this is not only a safe hire, but a very good hire for Atlanta, who needed something to kind of kind of bring them out of the hot play caller OC like right. lane and just go to someone who can build out that staff and build out a good coaching tree. Someone who was a legitimately good coach. Yeah, uh, last year um, when he was on the pivot, Mike Tomlin said that Raheem Morris is the best coach in the league that doesn't have a head job yet. And here we are now, Raheem Morris now getting a head job. Uh, I wrote about it uh, in USA Today about Jim Harbaugh getting the Chargers job. And in terms of that, I, I think that that's something that the Chargers needed personally, where you know they've gone through a lot of, okay, Mike McCoy, uh, Anthony Lynn, Brandon Staley, guys who were, were getting their first cracks at being head coaches and, you know, we've seen what that's done in terms of how the organization was ran. I mean, they got rid of Tom Telesco as well for a reason. I think they needed a guy who's a proven winner, kind of like an, the CEO head coach that can come in, run things the right way. And I think that's good for the team. I think it's good for Justin Herbert, um, especially with the spot that they're in right now, knowing that they are in cap hell right now. They're going to have a lot to figure out this offseason in terms of. You know, Keenan Allen's scheduled to make a lot of money. Mike Williams is scheduled to make a lot of money. Joey Bosa and Khalil Macabo scheduled to make a lot of money. They're going to have to make some decisions on who's going to be there and who's not going to be there. Um, and it's not going to be, you know, a one-year project. But I think that the Chargers realize that. I think Jim Harbaugh knows that. And as long as they have the right head coach to go with that incredible quarterback, I think that everything else will not take care of itself. But with the right minds, it can build the right roster around Herbert and compete in, in the AFC where it's stacked right now in terms of quarterback talent and head coaches. But now, you know, you, Jim Harbaugh and Justin Herbert on paper, that sounds like a really good combination that they just need to figure out how to build around it. I really think that this hire shows that the Chargers needed an identity. Mm -hmm. I think with the Brandon Staley kind of era, what was their identity that entire time? They didn't really have one. They didn't really have an M.O., he was supposed to bring great defenses. That never showed up. They got That's, they got worse defensively since he took over. Yeah, they got worse as a defense with him basically being the play caller. Justin Herbert is your quarterback. That that was the identity. We have Justin Herbert, and everything else will just figure right. itself out. But with Jim Harbaugh, you're bringing an established identity of winning, of physicality. I think that the, I think that. Whoever they hire as the OC is going to be very interesting regardless. Um, I think Jesse Minter is going to get this job as defense coordinator. I was, I was about to say, all, do you think he just brings Jesse plays Minter in Michigan, phenomenal mind. Phenomenal. Like, he is highly regarded as the next person up in that Mike McDonald vein of mm. guy going from college to NFL who's going to make a lot of money as a play caller really quickly. I really just think it comes down to who he hires as OC. I think Greg Roman is kind of, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Man. I think the passing game looks pretty bare in his last few years with Lamar and the Ravens, but they're going to bring a kick-ass run game. That run game is going to work really well. I'm really intrigued to see how he builds out that uh, roster to kind of turn it into his image. But best believe 
he's probably going to get that thing turned around in what he signed a five-year deal. He'll get that thing turned around in five years. Absolutely. And we've seen him do it everywhere that he's gone. You know, he took over a one-win Stanford team. And by the time he left, he put them in the orange bowl. He took over a, a 49ers team that hadn't had a winning season in nine years and went NFC championship game, Super Bowl, NFC championship game, and then had a power struggle with the GM before he, he ultimately left for Michigan. And by the way, he took over for a Brady Hoke Michigan team that was in the dumps as well. And we know how, how that turned out. So a guy who wins everywhere that he goes. And I think that the Chargers saw that and said, we need, we need that. And, you know, kudos to them for making that higher. Um, Dave Canales is somebody that you and I have both talked about a lot this season in terms of his impact in Tampa Bay with Baker Mayfield and now going to Carolina, something somewhat out of left field, uh, I would say. I mean, it was his first year as a play caller uh, in Tampa Bay as the offensive coordinator. Um, but I think that their vision is, oh, look what that guy did for Baker Mayfield. He's going to be the guy who we put in the ear of Bryce Young and will will lead this offense going forward. How do you see this playing out for the Panthers? So I think it's ultimately going to be fine, but I would suggest giving this time. Give it yeah. time to build because there's not a lot to work with. I mean, David Tepper and the previous head coaches, or not David Tepper, Scott Fitter and the previous head coaches of the Carolina Panthers kind of left this roster in an eventual shambles yeah. because you still have not re-signed Brian Burns yet, which was kind of the entire point of not trading him at the deadline last year or this year was to sign him to an extension. He hasn't signed yet. Jeremy Chin's probably going to be gone. Frankie Luvu is also a free agent. DJ Chark's going to be an upcoming free agent. I don't think they're going to sign him back anyway, but that's going to, that's a lot of names to try and overhaul a roster without the first overall pick and without a lot of cap space. You know, you're going to have to be working a little bit. I think this hire was pretty easy to see when they hired Dan Morgan as the GM. They work together in Seattle. Uh, they were they really do like get along very well. Uh, there are photos of him and uh, of Canales and Dan Morgan always dapping it up, talking to each other during the uh, games when Tampa would play Carolina. I really am intrigued because of like you said, he was able to get Baker Mayfield to do things that Baker Mayfield hadn't been doing before. He got him to play quicker. He got him to play more decisive, and he kind of harnessed that confidence and aggression into a streamline, you know, like before break Baker Mayfield just spraying everywhere. But now you get him into a streamlined thought process. He was actually targeting passes over the middle of the field. It looked a lot better, you know? So the hope is you can do that for another undersized quarterback in Bryce Young. But I do ultimately think this is going to take a little bit of time to turn around because that roster and that cap situation aren't the best. Yeah. And in terms of the receivers, too, I mean, they don't exactly have a hodgepodge of talent there either. So it, it's going to be I think it's going to come down to, OK, how patient is, is David Tepper going to be with this? And is he going to allow Dave Canales the appropriate time and Dan Morgan to you know build this thing and, and really start over? So um, definitely interesting developments out of the NFC South and the rest of the NFL with these uh, head coaching hires. But we'll talk about championship weekend and we'll start with the game that you and I disagree on. We'll start with Kansas City and Baltimore. Um we talked about this on Chase Thomas' show uh, earlier this week. I'm very much in the boat of the Chiefs are winning this game. You are on the side of the Ravens winning this game. I'll give you the floor first in terms of uh, your thought process on why the Ravens will be going to the Super Bowl. So I think the Ravens are going to the Super Bowl because this entire season, they have found answers to every problem that's been thrown at them. So 
let's take the divisional round game, for example. The Texans decided to turn that blitz up to 11. Yep. They blitzed way more than Houston ever did this season. And at first, the answer was Lamar go do something cool. A lot of deep pass, elite drop, <laughs> a lot of deep drop back passing. And then if he was blitzed, Lamar can make something happen. While he did, there was a lot of high variance with those plays. Like you might get a big play out of it, but you also might get sacked or you also might get an incompletion. And at halftime, the Ravens just threw that variance out the window. They just went to the quick passing game. They have the talent now to adjust to whatever Spags throws at them defensively because Spags is going to do that kind of same thing, but it's not going to be 100% cover one. We're not going to play anything behind it because you rarely want to do that with the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. Like you rarely want to lean into that chaos game because you're not going to win that, but it's more controlled disguised coverages, zone blitzes. I guess you see a lot of fire zones, but I think the Ravens have found an answer to that on the offensive side of the ball. Plus, their run game has been really effective with Lamar as kind of the machine of it and his gravity kind of opening up lanes for Justice Hill and Gus Edwards, who, again, this Ravens team has done this offensively without having J.K. Dobbins, Keaton Mitchell. They've been rotating their tackles the entire season. That could be the major thing, the problem that pops up for the Ravens this game against the Chiefs because they rotate their tackles maybe Chris Jones finds a uh, finds a guy that he likes who comes in, and that's the tell. But now we can talk about the defensive side of the ball for the Ravens. This is where I think they're going to win. I think Mike McDonald has collected the infinity stones of NFL uh, – of the favorite NFL offenses. He's shut down Kyle Shanahan. He has beaten Sean McVay in the rain. He's taken down Bobby Slowick twice. Ben Johnson only scored three points on – they only scored three points on the Ravens. Shane Waldron got stuffed into a locker as well. It is now time for the final Infinity Stone, which is Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. I believe that Andy Reid and Mahomes are going to have a game plan ready. But where I think this game changes is up front. The Ravens are much better up front than they have been in previous years, and they can do so many different things. You know, they can show that they can do the same blitz and show it out of different personnel, different packages, different fronts, different alignments. It's very similar to how Sean McVay and the McVay tree see football, where it's all, the, they don't run a very extensive amount of concepts, but it's different motions and formations. They run the same thing, but it's dressed up differently. Mike McDonald and the Ravens use the same pressures, but they're dressed up in different buckets and different areas. And ultimately, I really do think this is going to be a big Roquan Smith game. I think this is going to be, you know, they're going to they're going to see a lot of Roquan Smith, a lot of Kyle Hamilton. And again, if Joe Tooney is not 100% or cannot play, this changes the math up front for the Chiefs offensively because you're missing arguably your best player on that offensive line. And now you're asking, you've already asked a lot of Mahomes to make do with, Don, uh, Donovan Smith and Jawan Taylor being hit and miss and the receivers also being hit and miss. This is going to be the most talented and this is going to be the best secondary that they've faced all year. And I think this is going to be the most prepared secondary they face all year. So I think we ultimately get a big Kyle Hamilton game, a big Roquan Smith game, and the Ravens just have too many answers on both sides of the ball. So in terms of the Chiefs and what they do personnel-wise, they are 
number one in the NFL this season and coming out in 13 personnel on first down. So I think that is going to be, in terms of the run game, they're going to look to run it early, set up second and third and shorts with Pacheco. Um, and it's the way they run too. Um, they're second in the NFL and tackles off end. So, you know, the way that they try to get Pacheco going is get him in space rather than have him go between the tackles. Um, in terms of Baltimore and their dominance offensively, uh, outside of the division, in terms of the defenses that they've played, you know, we talk about, oh, they beat up Detroit, they beat up Seattle, they beat up even the 49ers. Um, in terms of EPA, the Chiefs are going to be the best defense that they've faced all year. Uh, outside the division, you know, Pittsburgh and Cleveland have both been really good, but, you know, divisional opponents, I think, regardless, make things different. Outside of the division, though, um, Kansas City finishing sixth in the league in EPA per play. And you look at, you know, Detroit was 21st, the Seahawks were 30th. Um, not to like take away anything from those wins, but you know, they, there are, you know, there's different levels to this. Even the 49ers, like you look at their, like their numbers since Hafango went down, they've been like, not a bad defense, but they've definitely looked human. Um, and so I think that this is going to be a totally different animal that Baltimore hasn't seen in terms of, uh, what the chiefs have at every level defensively. And he brought up Chris Jones, but the guys in the middle as well, like Nick Bolton and Drew Tranquil. Um, and, and the cornerbacks in the back end, like, and, and I talked about this uh, when we talked about this earlier in the week, like if Spags at some point just says, all right, you know what? If you can beat Legereus Sneed, kudos to you. If you can beat Trent McDuffie, hey, you know what? Whatever. But until you can, I'm going to stack the box. I'm going to send heat at you. Nobody's going to be open. Make something happen. Uh, I do think that Baltimore will struggle in that regard. Um. And in terms of, I mean, I already kind of brought it up for the Chiefs. I think it's going to be a heavy Pacheco game where they know that, okay, yeah, we don't really have, you know, the, uh, the depth to beat you, but here's what's going to happen. We're going to, we've got Rishi Rice, Travis Kelsey, Isaiah Pacheco. We're going to run those three guys at you. And if you can stop it, I guess, you know, kudos to you, but they know what wins for them. And it's going to be a heavy dose of Pacheco. It's going to, I am curious in terms of the Roquan Smith, Kyle Hamilton thing how that affects Travis Kelsey. And I think it will make them pivot to, okay, Noah Gray, we need a play. Justin Watson, we need a play. Um, somebody's going to have to be a hero that isn't one of their big three skill position guys. And it's going to come down to who can make that play. Is it going to be Kadarius Tony? I doubt it. Is it going to be Sky Moore? I doubt it. Is it going to be any of these guys who we've been you know, critical of all season? Highly doubtful. I think it's going to be a Justin Watson, a Noah Gray, somebody that has to you know, kind of come, not out of nowhere, but you know, not be the expected hero for Kansas City. It's going to be a close game regardless. Um, I don't see any of these teams blowing the other out. Um, but I think there's also something to say for, you know, the Chiefs have done this now six times in a row. Baltimore, outside of John Harbaugh and Odell Beckham, none of them have really been here before. Like, this is a big moment for them. And I, and I think that the pressure is really on for Baltimore, similar to the way it was for Buffalo, because, like, I think there's a feeling of, okay, if not now, when for the Ravens? And if not now, man, like that's a lot of pressure. So I think the experience and the pressure will also be, will be a big factor in this, but, um, I I've learned over, you know, the past few weeks. All right. I'm not betting against Mahomes, Andy Reid, and an elite defense. So that's, that's the rule I've made for myself until I'm proven that, that it'll, that, that they will lose in that facet. So I, I will still stick with Kansas city, but I don't think that there's going to be a blowout regardless. I think this will be the closer of the two games. So I think the interesting thing that you said about the Chiefs and 13 personnel is 
The Ravens really haven't seen a lot of it because they're good at defending out of 13 personnel. They're seventh in the NFL in total EPA when defending out of 13 personnel. They have the bodies to match everything. Yeah. So I think the biggest difference between the Bills game and the Ravens game is the Ravens have the second level bodies to nullify Noah Gray. Like you, you can you don't have you can't have that Noah Gray dig over the middle anymore because AJ Klein doesn't know what he's doing. You don't have that anymore. You have Patrick Queen and you have Kyle Hamilton and you have Arthur Mollette, who has been really, really Dude, good. Dude, he's been so good. They've been they've been alternating Kyle Hamilton and Arthur Mollette in the slot, and they'll play Kyle Hamilton back at safety. Again, they have so many ways they can beat you. If you want to spread and shred and turn this into a passing game, they can constrict you because they have the bodies and the personnel and they know exactly how to break defenses or they have they can break opposing offenses they broke the houston texans who again the week before dropped 45 on the cleveland browns and their top ranked defense like this is not like oh they're now they're facing like a rookie quarterback in the playoffs like sure but that team just put up 45 and then in two games that he played against the texans the texans did not score an offensive touchdown so this defense like Again, I was very much on the I'm not betting against Mahomes, Andy Reid. This right. is the one game where I'm going to bet against them because this Ravens team is too good. And I've seen them have answers for everything and every adjustment. It's it's uncanny to see how many times like you think you're throwing a curveball at the Ravens and then they hit it 450 feet to dead center. Like you just. They just have an answer for everything. And that speaks to the amount of preparation that they put in throughout the week. Tom Bunkin and uh, Mike McDonald have been some of the best game planners and in-game adjustment guys of the entire season. If the Chiefs do do this thing again, like, do we just have to sit here and accept like, okay, and not that we're wishing for this, but like, unless we get something like what happened to Tom Brady in the 2008 season where Mahomes just gets like injured or something like that again knock on wood not wishing for that but like at some point do we just say all right unless something catastrophic happens the chiefs are, are going to keep doing this i i think i said on the chase thomas podcast show uh a few weeks ago this is lebron this, mm. is, this is the lebron of the nfl like he's all he's always going to be there you, you gotta beat lebron if you want to actually like if you want to make it to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl, you got to go through Mahomes. And if they do it again, I don't really know what else to say. Like, what? how else can you beat this team with Mahomes stretched to his absolute limit on offense and then the defense just goes, okay, we got this now. What if, uh, I, I know he's already denied it, but what is he going to say? What if Travis Kelsey does retire after this year? Does that kind of put a hindrance on like, okay, maybe that will finally be where, you know, Mahomes doesn't get to the AC title game where he doesn't get back to the Super Bowl. Maybe that will do it, but knowing the Chiefs, they're going to draft, they're going to draft like. They'll get Brock Bauer somehow. Like, oh, please <laughs> do, do not wish that evil upon the NFL. They're going to draft like Jatavian Sanders or something and turn him into the greatest tight end in football. But it's just Mahomes makes your mark. Mahomes makes your margin for error so wide. Yeah. That's why it's so remarkable that they made it to this point because the margin was so razor thin this year and it still got them 
to the AFC Championship game. I just don't know, like, I don't know if they, I don't know if they've seen a healthy defense like the Ravens yet this year, especially in the playoffs. Like Miami, again, not taking away anything from what Kansas City did game plan wise, execution wise in both those two weeks. Miami and Buffalo were down to, Miami was playing a white corner and like (laughs) they, they played him significant snaps. And then again, the Bills had AJ Klein running around in the middle of the field. Like this is going to be the healthiest and best defense the Chiefs have seen all season. And it's gonna it's gonna be so fun watching that chess match between Mike McDonald and Patrick Mahomes. Like just even the line of scrimmage things are gonna be so cool. I'm looking forward to it. Um and I know that a lot of people seem to be writing off the uh the Detroit Lions on the other side of of things against the San Francisco 49ers, but no, there is a world where, you know, it, where Detroit, if they're able to run the ball effectively, because if you look at the 49ers run numbers on defense since I think week 11, it's not very good. Um, I do think that there's a world where if you get Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery going early and, you know, the 49ers have to stay on us and maybe send an extra guy in the box and that sets up the play action stuff where the middle of the field is more open for Laporta and St. Brown rather than. You know, if the 49ers, you know, force Detroit into, you know, third and eights, third and nines, where they can just have Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw sit in the middle and be like, all right, here it comes. Beat us over the middle. Good luck. You know, I I do think that that could be a problem because then if you're Detroit, you're going to have to make plays on the outside, which they haven't necessarily done this year. They don't really have the guys to do it consistently, at least like we haven't seen Jameson Williams be that guy consistently. We haven't seen Josh Reynolds really become that over the top guy consistently. Uh, again, there's a world where it does happen, but I think the easiest path for the Lions is, okay, let's own the ground game on first down, set up second and mediums and third and shorts, and live in that world rather than the art. It's third and nine, and 54 knows exactly where this ball is going to be going. we got to figure something out. So that's the problem for the Detroit Lions. You're playing Fred Warner. This, yeah. is, going, this is the Fred Warner game. I think this is going to be... <laughs> I'm running out of words to describe him. Fred Warner is like the greatest defensive midfielder in soccer, like ever. If you watch soccer, you can see his ability to patrol everything in the middle of the field, the most valuable parts of the field. He'll take away a 15-yard over route and then turn your check down into a two-yard game. That's something where against the Buccaneers, that's where they made their hay over the middle of the field. It wasn't much different, much different with you know. Field. Much, yeah, it's different with KJ Britt. I was there. just about to say, yeah, that's not KJ Britt back there. No disrespect to yeah. KJ Britt, but they were Levante David was hauling ass <laughs> in coverage trying to get on those over routes, and he covered it really well. But the problem was the check downs to Amon Ross St. Brown were ending up seven, nine yards. That's not going to happen against the 49ers and Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner. They can turn your check downs into two yard gains. I think for Detroit to win this game, Jared Goff has to make throws on the edges of the defense. Yeah. I think that was a very lost portion of how Jordan Love almost beat the 49ers was he attacked the edges. He he had the arm and the talent to attack the edges of the defense. Jared Goff is – I'm going to sound, again, like a parody of myself. Jared Goff is very good at what he does, and he throws mm-hmm. that 12-yard dig better than anybody else in football. But if you get him off of that, if you force him to throw to the edge of the defense, like you said, 
where they don't have they don't necessarily have the guys consistently yet yeah. to make those plays. That's where I think that that's where I think San Francisco can win this game. And that's where San Francisco has won a lot of their games defensively. They force you to take the low percentage throws on the outside because they have two Super Saiyans patrolling the middle of the field, and then they can pin their ears back. What I'm really interested in is to see if if San Francisco blitzes the under center play action game. They did it a little bit against Green Bay, but Jordan Love was so good against the blitz yeah. that he beat them. I don't think Jared Goff is as good against the blitz as Jordan Love, especially when he has to turn his back to the defense. So I wonder if San Francisco goes in and says, screw it, we're going to blitz those under center play action game. Like, you you got to make the throw, dude. You got to make that throw. And then offensively, the problem for Detroit is that the Niners won't be playing in the, in the rain. That's, yeah. That's it. It's 75 <laughs> and sunny. Now you got to deal with basketball on grass. And I think if Debo does not play, that is a major, major, major point because the offense becomes a little less easy. But I do worry about them just going CMC game or this is a George Kittle game. And George Kittle can absolutely take over this game over the middle. I think Brandon Ayuk could be a, could have a big game. I just think we kind of overcorrected too much on the 49ers post Green Bay because it was raining. I think this is going to be a, a I think this is a comfortable Niners win. I saw a stat. I think uh, the the Lions haven't allowed a rusher of more than like 75 yards all season. So that's something to pay attention to. They're also fourth in the NFL in uh, EPA per rush defensively. So that has been a big part of their identity defensively this year is, hey, nobody's going to run the ball on us. The problem is everybody's passed the ball on them. So um, in terms of, you know, if they are, I think San Francisco is going to very much look to exploit that where they'll, they'll feed CMC early. They'll set up those play actions. And if Detroit bites on any of them, then it's going to be big chunk yards. Um, Apparently Debo was active and a full participant participant in practice so kyle shanahan seems to think he's going to be a full if, go if debo plays watch for the rpo game early just mm. peppering him just oh you want to load up to stop the run we'll just pepper you with a debo rpo right. and he'll turn that into six yards they can the niners will absolutely choose to win with debo eight yard RPOs absolutely absolutely because that, that's the, again the rpos are so much different when you're throwing him to debo samuel than any other player in than the Jawan Jennings. Yeah, you're not going to run the ball at Jawan Jennings. And even then, <laughs> you can force the, the Lions to, okay, Debo's in the backfield. What do you do? And yeah. CMC's on the outside. Like, what do you do? What, that's the chess match. And again, I still think Kyle Shanahan has, uh, he's got one more masterclass up his belt. And I think he's been saving it. <laughs> so I, I think there's going to be a 49er offensive explosion. I think so too. Um, and again, like I said, there is a world where this game is kept close and the Detroit Lions just go, you know, absolutely leave everything that they have in Santa Clara. And somehow, I mean, that would be a great story if they pull off the upset. I don't personally think they're going to, but there is a world where it does happen. But I think, yeah, we're very much in agreement that this is the 49ers game to lose. Um, and I'm excited to, uh, to see what happens though. Um, to end the show, we always do a draft, and this time it's Royal Rumble season. So what we're going to do, and my buddy uh, Donnie Football at 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh tweeted this out earlier. 
uh, he asked, uh, what NFL coach would you pick to win the Royal Rumble? And so you and I are going to draft five head coaches each based off of our scene ability for that coach to win the Royal Rumble. So and this I is will, head coaches only, correct? Head coaches only, yes. Only head coaches. Current head coaches. Current head coach. Do you want to do historical head coaches? That could be fun. No, I was just saying current as in employed. Um, ooh, that's a good point. I will say you can you can bend that a little bit. Yeah. We okay just current current slash, you know, sort of current NFL head coaches. Okay. But I'll let you I'll let you start. All right. I'm gonna take the the lock for the first pick here. I'm going Dan Campbell. <laughs> yeah, that's that man says he would bite kneecaps off. And I'm not gonna mess with a man who's as relentless as Dan Campbell is. And he's also shown to take risks. Like I think there's like there's a little bit of like stingish in his like vibes of like mm. he's gonna he's gonna risk it. Like it does he doesn't look like he's a or his background doesn't show that he's like a, a risky guy in terms of like taking chances on fourth downs or anything. Like he's seen as the meathead head coach, but he is gonna he's willing to go off that top rope. Yeah. He's, he's willing, willing to dive to, off Titan Trons. Yeah, he's willing to dive off Titan Trons. It's very uh I said sting, but the I guess the current like modern day comparison is Kevin Owens. Mm, like he, yeah, that's a good he one. He is football Kevin Owens. Okay. So I think I get where you were going with uh you know, currently employed, and I'm gonna take a guy. I'm gonna take Rabel. Yeah, that was where I was going. <laughs> that was where I was going. Okay, yeah. So I'm gonna take Mike Rabel. Um, I think him and him and Campbell have a lot in common, where they're just two big burly pounds of meat. Just slap. It's gonna be a, a hoss fest. Um, who's who would Rabel be as as a wrestler? I kind of want to say Gunther, but I don't know if that's quite it. It might be it actually. I think that's not a bad one. Um. Hmm. I'm gonna go with another Ohio guy, Wardlow. Wardlow's a good choice. That that's Wardlow. I okay. think he's a he's a little risky, but not too like not as much as Dan Campbell is. I would but love to see Vrabel try to hit a Swanton bomb. I'm just thinking of like the power bomb symphony. I think Vrabel would mm. absolutely do that. Wardlow's yeah. also from Ohio, and Mike Vrabel has obvious ties to Ohio. Right. Okay. That's a good comp. That's a good comp. But yeah, my first pick is Mike Vrabel. All right, my second pick. This is where it gets really interesting. There are but a bunch of guys that I think I could go with here. Okay, I'm going to go Mike Tomlin. Mm. I'm going to go Tomlin. He's been he's been around. He has been in the game for a long time, and I also think he has like just an inherent toughness that just comes with his teams, with his persona. He also was a very good athlete. In his yeah. own in his own right, I guess the wrestler comparison is like, oh, like... uh, so. <laughs> oh God, I'm gonna say Nick Gage. Nick Gage. Nick Gage. <laughs> and the re the reason I say that is because I think I think Mike Tom was crazy. I think, <laughs> I think he's crazy. Have you seen that man's? You've seen his eyes. He is insane. Yeah, yeah, that man's crazy. Nick Gage is crazy. He'll hit you over the head with a light tube. Mike Tomlin oh, will hit you over the head with a light tube. That's so funny. I never thought of it like that. Okay, yeah, I can see. Yeah, Tomlin showing up at a GCW show with just 
barbed wire two by four and just going ham. Yeah, that's probably what he did to Ben Roethlisberger at the end of that time. I don't know. Aye, 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 aye. Like no, t- <laughs> no time for no time for Ben Roethlisberger slander. <laughs> All right, my second pick. I knew that the first few would be pretty much locks, but you're right. This is where it gets interesting. I'm trying to run through my Rolodex in my head. Um, like intimidating coaches. Okay, I'm gonna take D'Amico Ryan's. Ah, oh, that's a good one. That's a good that, one. I think D'Amico. Um, uh, he's kind of got like the big E or Xavier Woods type energy, where like he's big, but like I don't know. After seeing him celebrate uh, with, with the team after they like clinched the playoff spot, I could see him like rolling out with a with a box of bootios. He's also a linebacker. Linebackers are psychotic. Oh yeah. Like yeah. Any former current linebackers are all they're insane. So I'm gonna take D'Amico. Yeah, he was a tremendous linebacker too. By the way, he's mm-hmm. very good. So I'll take D'Amico. I got yeah, I got a pair of linebackers now in terms of my 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 Rumble head coach team where I've got Vrabel and and D'Amico. So we're on pick three now. We are. Um, I'm going to go with a guy that has gotten a lot of flack this year. Oh Lord! But he absolutely would tear it up in a Royal Rumble. And that is Sean McDermott. Well, I, th- I thought that's where you were Sean, going with that. Sean McDermott would kick ass in a Royal Rumble. First of all, former wrestler. If you're a former wrestler, you you automatically get a few points in this round. Also played football. And we have seen that man is crazy. He's absolutely you know who you know who he reminds me of actually. It's not even a wrestler, it's uh, Steve Carell, uh, an anchor man. Mm. When, when like they're like having that. That big brawl and everybody looks at Steve Carell. He's like, "Brick, where'd you get a hand grenade?" And he's like, "I don't know." Yeah, it's like he, he just pops up with a hand grenade, and then everybody, all of a sudden, everybody's out the ring. Like he's gonna—he's the guy that you don't think is gonna get a lot of eliminations in the Rumble, but then just starts clearing house, just cleaning house. He's like a uh, like a young Shelton Benjamin, like a really good, just like amateur wrestler, but really technically sound. Yeah, like uh, you could even say Charlie Haas too. Oh yeah, that's a that's a good shout. Yeah. Maybe if we're going like modern, maybe like a little Chad Gable. Chad Gable, yep, 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 yep. I think like he's Chad Gable's Wario. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Okay. All right. So you got McDermott. Um, who do I want? Oh, this. I'm surprised. Okay, this is a good value pick. I just need a psycho who's just gonna be like, I don't even know how to describe this guy as a wrestler, but I'm gonna take Nick Sirianni. I think. I think that he would just be absurd and just beat the piss out of people. But at the same time, he could also be the guy that everybody just can't stand and gangs up on and throws out immediately. See, I don't think Nick Sirianni can fight. I just think he can talk. Oh, you think think, he's like... um, I think he's he's Enzo Amore. Yeah, God, that's so good. I think he's Enzo Amore. Damn it, you might be right. He talks a lot, but he's going to be the first guy eliminated. Damn it. Can I rescind that? Nope. Nope, the pick is in, brother. The pick God is in. Damn it. All right. All right. My fourth pick, new head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, Antonio Pierce. Oh, man. Yeah, we went, with the, we went with the linebacker theme. Linebackers are crazy. Antonio Pierce, the linebacker. That makes him crazy. Shit. That's a good pick. Damn it. All right. What's this, the fourth round now? Yep. All right. So I got two more. I'm just going to like kind of looking um at every team and seeing who i want um 
there's not many like big burly guys. I mean, there is, but like none that I would trust in terms of like athleticism. Um, I will go with. Damn it, this is. <laughs> Part of me thinks that this guy would actually be like low key, maybe a little bit fun, maybe a little bit athletic. Um, I'll take. I'll take Sean McVay. Oh, interesting. I, I think he'd have a good strategy. I think that he could like low key like be like the Iron Man like uh high flyer that lasts a, a while. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, he'd be very strategic about things. Um, who would be Sean McVay's? Maybe he's though? the guy that like hangs out for a little bit. Let's say, right outside the ring doesn't really enter the ring, but he hangs out for a little bit. Then when the the numbers get thinned down, he's like, all right, here we go. <laughs> yeah. That was we, that was his trading for Matt Stafford. Yes, that's good. I think that that would be sort of like uh, you know, like when John Morrison would used to do like Kofi did it too, like the fun yeah. like avoids elimination spot. I think he he would be a guy like that. That's a good one. That's I think he is a little Morrison-ish. I think he's both the Miz and Morrison. Remember the Miz. <laughs> he's both Miz and Morrison at the same time. They were a fun tag team for a while. They were they were so much fun. Like it was like peak, not peak, but like real early, like shithead heel Miz. Yeah. With, yeah. with the Bohawk. Oh, it's such he had the the tank top with uh, a baby chicken with a magnet. Uh, the chicken. Yeah. Oh, it was so bad. It's it was just perfect for like late 2000s, early 2010s. Right, right. Like it was just a perfect time for that. My final pick is, I think, the greatest value pick that I'm ever going to have in one of these drafts. Mm -hmm. Robert Sala. Uh, Robert Sala is my final pick. You've seen photos of that man. I forgot that, dude, that Robert Sala existed. He is on. He he is on that AJ Styles post injury. Tight feet. <laughs> well, that man came back just absolutely shredded. And also, Robert Sala has six kids. That patience is wearing thin. Oh, he's just it, gonna it's, snap. It's wearing thin. He's just he's just waiting for the perfect moment. Like he's waiting for the time to get to a Royal Rumble and absolutely go ape shit. Damn it. I forgot Robert Sala even existed, if I'm being perfectly honest. That it was he he kind of fell to the background with the Aaron Rodgers fiasco. Yeah, yeah. That man. He he would go very far in a rumble. All right. Um, in the sense of like where you know like tag teams help each other out, I think that I'm gonna have to bring in another smart guy, and I'm gonna bring in like this guy looks like he would put out a cigarette on you. He kind of just looks like a cigarette. I'm gonna bring in Kevin Stefanski. Ooh, I feel like he's like got. He's he's the guy that nobody thinks can fight, but has actually right. like seen and he's like, like uh, uh, Steve Blackman, the, the lethal weapon. Yes, he is very much Steve Blackman. Yeah, he's, the beard really works for it. Where like, he could legitimately beat the shit out of you, and you just never know. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Do you want to do, do you, you want to do a UDFA? Like I'm, I'm down. Hold on. Phil Robinson is, is tuning into this. Would he beat out Tomlin, Antonio Pierce? No, I got a vote for my team. So. Yeah, I was going to say. So, Phil, if you're still here, yeah, J JP did get Mike Tomlin and Antonio Pierce. In this Survivor Series, I have Undertaker and Kane. <laughs> Do you, so let's say hypothetically, 
if it came down to the final two of Mike Tomlin and Antonio Pierce, you taking Mike Tomlin over Antonio Pierce? I think I'll take um, Antonio Pierce. I think I'm taking Antonio Pierce. It's going to be close. I think he's a little more risky. I think he's, I think both of them will, is willing to do whatever it takes to mm. win. But I think Antonio Pierce gets not here. I think he's a little younger. Yeah. So I think I'm going to go Pierce here. But if you want to do priority UDFAs. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm down. All you right. Can, you can go first. I need a heavy. How about this? For, for the UDFAs, we can go assistant coaches as well. Oh, we can go assistant coaches. Yeah, we can go assistant coaches. I know who I'm picking. All right. Ryan Nielsen. Oh, that's a good pick. Ryan Nielsen's my pick. Have you seen that man? He's, he's he looks early boy. He is not only that, he looks like how every defensive coordinator should look, which is <laughs> tired and angry. I don't think a defensive coordinator should be be fully energized at all. You you look at you watch Mike McDaniel's offense and tell me you're gonna get a full night of sleep. No, I want my <laughs> defensive coordinators tired. I want them angry because that is the best way to kick ass. I'm going Ryan Nielsen with my uh, UDFA assistant pick. All right. Uh, for my UDFA, um, I – so there's two guys that would make sense for different reasons. One, because one of them is an absolute psycho. I think he would just go – you just have zero – just zero fucks given. And I think I kind of just want to take him for the lols. But there's the other guy who's just like burly. It would make sense to take him. Um, I'll take Steve Belichick. Ooh, I think he's like the um, he's like the boogeyman. If boogeyman was like a serious threat. Ooh, that's a good comparison. That's a good comparison. I I think Steve Belichick is like the guy version of Nikki Cross. That that's yes that that is a very very good comp. Where like they can seriously wrestle, but they're also kind of crazy. Yeah, like they yeah. also I, legitimately crazy. I need a little bit of crazy on my team. The other choice I was going to say Wink. See, Wink would be a good pick, but I also think Wink Wink losing the battle to Dayball kind of uh, kind of knocked them down my rankings a little bit. Which, I, I I can agree with that in a in a weird way. Also bumped Dayball up the rankings because. From everything that's been reported about Brian Dayball and Wink Martindale, Brian Dayball is what everybody thinks Wink Martindale acts like. Yeah. So that'd be interesting. My my name, if we weren't going assistance, when I needed a heavy, I was going to know Andy Reid. Yeah, so Andy was in my thought process too, but I don't know. Andy's also old. Like I think at this point, Andy's more viscera than like prime big show. You know what I mean? I'm not counting on him to get eliminations. I just know it's going to take a lot of people. It's going to take a lot of stamina to eliminate okay. him. So that's more of a defensive play, you know. That's it's like, that's fair. It's like having Blastoise on your team. Like Blastoise can do stuff offensively, but that the point of having Blastoise is defense. That's Pokemon, right? That's right. Okay, the, the name sounded familiar. Who was the uh, the offensive line coach a few years ago for the Browns? Oh, uh, I think his name was Bob Wiley. The one from Hard Knocks. Yeah, it's Bob. Wiley. Let me see. I think it's Bob Wiley. Is he still in the league? Yeah, it's Bob Wiley. I knew it. Um, he, I don't think so because Bill Callahan is the offensive line coach now. Right. Browns. Uh, I don't think he is. That's a shame. That would have been my defensive play. He's like, all right, good luck. Get Bob Wiley over the top rope. 
that's that is a good defensive play. It's yeah. a good defensive play. Uh, if we're going historical, I think the first name that I think of for this would be Mike Ooh. Singletary. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That would be just dangerous. Mike Singletary is getting everybody. Mike Singletary is Brock Lesnar. Yeah, he comes he's in just... and immediately eliminates like seven people. I think uh, a low key one would be Ditka. I think Ditka would just run shit. Oh, Ditka would be good. Ditka, yeah. Ditka played when uh, back in the old days. I think yeah. he he has a certain level of crazy. Like he played without wearing gloves. Yeah, so, homie would just run rough shot. I'm trying to who would be like uh, the uh, the old time comparison for Ditka. Ooh, uh, Ilya Dragunov. Mm, oh, that yeah, that's good. Very old timey feel. Yeah. But also insane. Uh, both Phillipses would be good picks here. Bum and oh, Wade and Bum, yeah. Wade and Bum would both be good here. Um, a Bill Cowher would be a good pick. Bill Cowher would be a very good pick. I think the mustache would just intimidate. People. He's yeah, that's the thing. Like now he's got like the goatee and he does the TV stuff. But uh, ironically, by itself, ironically, uh, Jack Del Rio. Oh yeah, Jack Del Rio would be a good one. I uh. I bumped into Jack Del Rio last year in Mobile. Like uh, we were at a bar and uh, either he turned around or like I turned around and bumped him. And I was like, oh, sorry, Jack. (laughs) Just kept kept walking. (laughs) Keep on on moving. Keep on pushing. That is a massive human being, uh, Jack Del Rio. Yeah. Ooh. Like kind of if it were a little younger, if you were a little younger, Ron Rivera would be a good pick. Ron was in my head. Like if he was still like uh an act I, yeah, I guess we kind of met the logic there for, for Mike Vrabel, but yeah, maybe Ron. But yeah, he is a little bit older. You know what assistant we didn't say? Like a current one? Yeah. Big Who, Dom. Does he count? Big Dom is he is listed on the website with the coaching staff. That really? Is, that is the assistant. Oh. I don't know, man. Is he is he is he helping with the game plan? He obviously, <laughs> obviously, he's helping with the game plan. That's fair. That's because fair. Because they yeah. started losing when Dom got suspended. <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right, he, I, I, I would let you have Big Dom. Technically, he's listed in the front office. He's the senior advisor to the general manager. I uh, see that 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 don't qualify. I don't think that Big Dom qualifies at that point. I think. Honestly, like low key, the Sirianni play might be a little heady because he'll have Big Dom backing him up. Like that's his big cast. Oh, that's damn. his big cast. That's really good. Like they might get eliminated early, but you'll have the fun moment of Big Dom catching Nick right. before he gets eliminated and tossing them back in, and then he'll get eliminated anyway. But that's really that's a really good comp. You think? Uh... Shane Steichen would make any noise. I feel like he could be like the Dolph Ziggler. I don't think so. I no. think he, I think he's a little too, he's too, he's thin. A little too, yeah, a little too thin. I think if you're thin, you got to be a little crazy. I yeah. honestly, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think a lot of the Shanahan McVay tree would do very well in this. I think both of them themselves would do. I think McVay would do the best. I think Mike McDaniel would go further than Kyle Shanahan. Mike McDaniel is he's kind of like um what's Mike McDaniel? He's like Spike Dudley. He's Austin Theory. See, I think he you underestimate him and he knows some form of judo that would eliminate <laughs> everybody. You know it would be a good pick if he was still a head coach, which is also why I cur- ask current head coaches, Pete cool. Carroll. I was thinking Pete. Yep. 
Pete Carroll would absolutely be. Pete awesome. Carroll looks like a guy who definitely knows how to use nunchucks. Oh, he knows some 16th century martial art that was only practiced <laughs> in like Nepal. Ugh. And he's gonna stun you. He also is surprisingly fit for 72 years old. Yeah, like he's he's a young 72. Yeah, like he can he can go in the ring. Like it's this is not a Undertaker uh crown jewel moment. Yeah, yeah, fair. Do you think where, where do you think he you think he coaches this year? No. No. I think he's cool with being in the front office for the Seahawks because I think even though he did want to coach accepting that role kind of meant like okay like yeah. i'm cool with backing off for this year but you know who, else, you know who else did that and i think would be good for this if you bruce arians i think would be a decent pick. Ooh, bruce arians is sneaky good bruce sneaky. arians would be, he'd be a good heavy somebody. he'd be a good heavy yeah he would um what's like a he'd be like a, a, a an a train albert mm, that's a good pick that's a good one maybe minus like the harry back maybe test, test. yeah test yeah I could talk now, the rest. Of now we're just remembering some guys. Yeah, this is uh, sorry, babe. Can't go out tonight. Me and my, me and the boys are naming uh, pro wrestlers and comparing them to NFL coaches. Like, remember the Highlanders? They wore the kilts. They did wear the kilts. They need to get a kilt off Drew McIntyre. They need to bring back uh, the Broken Dreams theme for him. Hopefully, Papa H does does well by that. Ooh, that that'd be good. I, they brought it back for uh clash at the castle clash of the castle and it was the coolest moment um oh just remember remembering some guys remember remember tarver michael tarver michael tarver <laughs> like the least notable person from nexus i don't know i think david otunga might be less notable no because otunga was on commentary for a while tarver uh, just yeah, kinda, was. carver just kind of tarver just kind of went away and they had that like um that like um it was like, like the core the core yeah like the break off group Wade with, barrett out yeah and it was Heath slater and uh justin gabriel, justin Wade gabriel. Barrett. wasn't ezekiel jackson ezekiel part jackson of that? Was it? <laughs> remember that vladimir kozlov he was in a he was in the elimination chamber kozlov and santino are in tna now oh yeah i remember seeing that kozlov's got a beard now yeah. It looks Kozlov, awesome. Yeah, Kozlov is a fucking bet. He does like stuntman work now. He was in a Bond movie. Yeah, he's doing he's doing fine. That's amazing. Yeah, he's doing good stuff for himself. You remember Deuce and Domino? Oh, <laughs> that's a deep oh, cut. That is, that is a deep cut. <laughs> that is crazy. Oh, Hope fans man. listening to this like wrestling. At this point, all the ones are like, okay. I hope they do too. Underrated wrestler Perry Saturn. Perry Saturn, very good. Yeah, very underrated. You know, did he have a nipple of, ring? He did. Okay. And he also, uh, it wasn't the level of Al Snow with the head, but yeah, he it was the mop. It was the mop. Yeah, it was yeah. the mop. It was really weird. Um, yeah, we could do this all day. Yeah, we, <laughs> we could. could do this all what, day with remembering guys. What do you got coming on uh, SB Nation? So, Establish a Fun dropped today. Um, in the in the coming weeks, I will have my big board. For the NFL draft, gonna be our first one of the year this year. Ooh. I won't be in Mobile for the Senior Bowl because I'm gonna oh. be. In, I'll be in Vegas for the Super Bowl. Oh, fair enough. So, I won't be in uh, Mobile for the Senior Bowl. I will be getting all my updates via Twitter, as everyone else, as one does. I probably will have access to like the film, so right. I'll be watching film of the Senior Bowl as always. But just see what I'm doing. See what I'm going. 
Uh, for me, I did do a piece on USA Today about Jim Harbaugh and the Chargers. Um, constant Steeler stuff um, behind the steel curtain. We're tracking the offensive coordinator interviews, um, mailbag every Friday. Uh, I just did my first Steelers mock. Um, and then probably after the senior bowl, I'll do like my first, like first round mock. Um, and then for A to Z league wide coverage as well, in terms of mostly, you know, leading into the Buffalo bills side of things, I'll do bills mailbag every week and we'll do some bills draft stuff over there as well. So JP, always a pleasure, my friend. Um, I will, I guess not see you next week, but see you soon. Are you going to be at the combine? I'm going to try. Okay. Okay. Well, hopefully I will see you soon. I always enjoy doing this with you. And if not, I'll see you probably soon enough when we do Chase Thomas's podcast together. Eventually, so, yes. Yes. Everybody, thanks for tuning in to the Pump Fake. Enjoy your championship Sunday. And next time we talk, we'll know who is uh, partaking in the Super Bowl. So thank you as always. Like and subscribe to YouTube. Listen to wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you soon. Hey, friends. Are you struggling to attract and retain top talent? If you're worried about recruiting and retention, consider Insperity, a leading HR provider. They'll help you improve hiring and compensation practices so you can spend more time growing your business and less time on HR. Visit Insperity.com and download their free ebook on how to build your dream team. Don't let a lack of talent hinder your success. See how Insperity provides HR that makes a difference at Insperity.com. Hey, parents. Greenlight is here to take one big thing off your to-do list teaching your kids about money. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids and teens learn to earn, save, and invest. You can send money instantly, set flexible controls, and get real-time notifications of your kids' money activity. Set up chores and put allowance on autopilot to reward them for their hard work. Then learn about the world of money together. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast.